This week on Ultra 64, the Naboo boys are back in town because we're playing Star Wars Episode 1 Battle for Naboo. By the way, we're the Naboo boys now, guys. Okay. Misa hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And we are shooting it and we are squinting our eyes as hard as we can to try and make out what the hell is going on. My name is Steve Gutling. Yippee! I'm Woody Siskowski. <laughs> and Yippee! I'm Dan Reese. <laughs> That's uh, roughly one-eighth of the yippees you hear in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom so Menace. Yippees. I have a bad feeling about this podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> this is going to be a rough one. All right. Because um, so this is not the first time that we've come across Star Wars Episode wait, One. Wait, well, what is this podcast, Steve? I already forgot. I already did that. Oh, oh, this, no, oh the game. Oh, the game. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, Okay. Yeah. This is a podcast where we play through all the I games. I did all this. You did all this? I did all of this. this. You get so caught up in the bit. I can't even tell, so, like, when it's happening. I'm, I'm so in, yeah, I'm I in the groove. I just feel like we've entered, when you start talking about Star Wars, mm-hmm. you're in this range of, like, blending in with every other podcast on the internet. Yeah, so yeah. So we need to remind people that this is an N64 <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And we're just going to talk about Star Wars a couple more times. Just uh, just this time and one more time. When are yeah, you guys going to explain got. to the folks at home what this podcast is and what you do here on this podcast? Well, apparently next time. Steve next time, I think, I think I'm going to hold that'll off. That'll be the bonus episode for the Patreon, where we yeah, explain Patreon.com. what the podcast is. Go to patreon.com slash ultra64pod, and we will tell you what we do here. Yeah. Backslash question mark? <laughs> that's only at the $1,000 tier. Yeah. Um, yes. That's, that's the unlock reward, as we say, what the hell? are we doing yeah yeah well the the hell that we're doing this week mm-hmm. is we uh go. very specific because like i said we've tried to talk about uh star wars episode one the phantom menace before we came across it before with uh, episode one racer which we played god more than a year ago now mm-hmm. and uh uh we managed to avoid watching the movie that time uh because and this time it was kind of unavoidable um, because what, there's not really a whole it? lot else to talk about <laughs> with this one. The, I think, uh, well, we can get into this later. I feel like Racer was more un- a more obvious game to have from making The Phantom Menace to, to make a game that's like pod racing. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> whatever we just whatever played. we just played, which I mean, there was some music that sounded like Star Wars, but yeah. that's about it. I mean, this one. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Episode One Racer and this both have like pretty distinct Phantom Menace DNA, but there was more to talk about with but that other Ra- one. Yeah, Racer's got way more content. This and, game's uh, got about five minutes of content, and and, uh, and plus, you know, with the Disney Plus just releasing, Star Wars is more accessible than ever, and uh, the Mandalorian's out and being awesome, and we've got a new Star Wars movie coming out next month. So you know, people have got Star Wars on the brain right Does now. Does Disney I think. Plus have the Ewok movies? The, oh, I haven't the two checked. Made for TV movies. I have the DVDs if if they don't. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I'd like oh, yeah. to talk to you after. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I had that taped off a of TV. Me too. Me too. Yeah, but the DVD quality really lets you see how shitty it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That's a good transition to this game. Yeah. But, all right. Um... So this time we we all sat down and we actually watched Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. For many of us, it was the first time in about a decade or so, maybe more. Um, and 
you know, it kind of gets blown up in your mind a little bit. It's like, ugh, Star Wars. Episode. But so, like, I wanted to go in with a with an open mind. I wanted a fresh palette and just kind of, like, look at it for what it is. And to kind of set the cultural tone, like, around this time. I mean, you guys will remember this. I mean, it's really... It's really hard to overstate how excited we as a culture were for Star Wars Episode One. It's the first Star Wars in 16 years. It's the first George Lucas directed movie in 22 years. Like it, it it was so wildly overhyped. This is one of the first movies I can remember where people camped out out in front of the theaters to buy tickets. One guy camped out for 26 days. Have you noticed that the camping out phenomenon like kind of came? I mean, it was going for a while, but it was like. This sort of ten years, right? Like yeah. two thousand to two thousand ten, and I feel like the mm. like I kind of remember like the Wii was kind of the last thing that people camped out for. Yeah, iPhones. That's not that's not the case anymore. Yeah, that used to be a thing for iPhones, yeah. right? I mean, you buy everything on the internet. Now. You buy your movie tickets. You buy and everything it just else. Arri- just yeah, and it just it. arrives the day that it comes out anyway. Yeah. So. I mean, wouldn't that be annoying? You're camping out to watch this movie, and then like somebody just pre-orders all the tickets, and yep. there's nothing for you to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but people got really, really into it. I mean, uh, it was so eagerly anticipated. You guys have probably heard this before, but I think it's—I always thought it was an urban legend, but I think it's actually true. Like when they released that first movie trailer, uh, it, they showed it before three different movies: The Waterboy, Meet Joe Black, and The Siege. <laughs> And as a result of that, all three of those movies, like, were big hits. Yeah, none of those movies would have been big hits if it weren't for the fact that there was a Star Wars trailer right. in advance. And, like, some theater owners were saying that up to 75% of the audience would walk out after the trailer. Like, they literally were buying tickets. Sandler's dumb guy voice? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they released a second trailer on the internet, and it, like, broke download records for the oh, time. Man. Like, you know. I believe all this. So it takes, so, like, like, 45 minutes to download the trailer. Did you guys get caught up? In the hype when this was about to come out? I did not, and I didn't see it until it was out of theaters. Oh, okay. uh, I think I had heard some of the backlash, and um, I learned about Jar Jar Binks, I think, before the movie came out. Um, okay. And then I, I, they had a screening at my college, uh, and I went, it was free, so I went. <laughs> um, and boy, it was bad. I, I remember groaning out loud when they started explaining how midi-chlorians work. Oof. It's just rough. It's a bad, bad movie by any measure. And the add on top of it, the disappointment. Yeah, Ugh, I remember still being angry. excited about... I got really into the action figures. They had I these action figures that had little voice clips. With the, the communicator yeah, thing. I had like, like five of those. Yeah, yeah. me too. And you, I remember for some reason I had like the... Just like... They were really reaching for figures here. I had like... The, the pilot who uh-huh. drove the queen around. Yeah. I had he's him just too. like some weird old guy, and you're like, yeah. why did they make a figure out of this did guy? We, I don't think we ever learned his name. I, I, I think we probably they did. They had a name. I forgot it. I do remember the actor's name is Ralph Brown because uh, at the same time I was super obsessed with Star Wars at this time, I was super obsessed with Alien. Okay. And he's in Alien 3 as one of the inmates, and he's okay. also in uh, Wayne's World 2 as like the old rock star <laughs> junkie. So, like, I always thought so of him as that tail, action figure. He's, he's the guy that comes in when a uh, series is on the downswing. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, yeah. It's also I mean, just... I also knew him. Uh, I came to know him later on from the movie With Nil and I, like the British movie mm-hmm. about like sloppy drunks. It's also just weird that that was like a feature of like the voice activated thing. When this is like such a profoundly unquotable bland movie, like I render, I remember I had the Obi Wan action figure, mm-hmm. 
And one of the things he said was, do not defy the council master, not again. <laughs> yes. Like, that was so exciting. Yeah. Like, that was the best piece of dialogue they could pull <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. from the movie. Obi-Wan does very little in the film. Yeah, well, he doesn't everyone have does to do. very he, little he in this He spends half the movie hanging out on the shuttle while there's a storm raging, but we never see the storm. Like, he's just not there for most of the action on um, Tatooine. And I am going to assure you all, we will be talking about a Nintendo 64 game here, but we do need to cover we had to a little watch bit of the movie. That fucking movie. This movie yeah. is long. For two hours, it was it's like two long. hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, and there was sort of a time in the middle where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of. This is not super painful, and then it just goes on like forty more minutes. Yeah, and yeah. I, I disagree about there being any time when the movie. Was but not at the painful. end, the climax of this movie, they're literally cutting between. Anakin accidentally blowing up yeah, giant rebel ship or giant imperial ships, yeah, and then Jar Jar accidentally yeah. destroying a droid army, and you're well, like, and then yeah, the Jedi intentionally fighting, yeah, like, but yes, two out of the three, I guess, two out of the four combat sequences are won by complete accident, yeah, like it's, it's, it's like usually when you cut between scenes, you're trying to provide a contrast, not just build, doing the or same build, thing, or building tension, yeah, yeah the uh, the history no, of the of the the future of the resistance and the rebellion and the yeah. Jedi Knights was all based on clumsy idiots. Yeah. It's it's super obnoxious. But let, let's talk a little bit about this movie. So uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace was op- uh, released on May 19th, 1999, written and directed by George Lucas, and stars Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Jake Lloyd, Ahmed Best, Pernilla August, Ian McDermott, Ray Park, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, and Frank Oz. Uh, this movie would go on to be nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound, and Best Sound Effects. I thought you were going to say Razzies. Oh, yeah. well, it got melted down for many of those. It, it lost all three of those Oscars to mm. The Matrix, which... Uh, <laughs> way better sound effects, I, way better visual effects. I will say, the I'll go sound to bat for the sound the effects. Movies, yeah. This movie sounds fine. I think they brought That's back fine. Ben Burt, you know, yeah. who uh, did all the sound effects for the original and then went on to voice Wally. So um, okay. this had a budget of $115 million, which today is closer to about $180 million when you adjust for inflation. That's it pretty was modest, actually. Pretty modest, generally. today's money, but I'm sure over $100 million, like, that was something that didn't happen until Not- Waterworld, like in the 90s? Well, Waterworld cost $200 million, okay. which is what people were freaking out about. But, like... I would say the average cost of a movie was like forty million back then, and if you look at the original price of the first Star Wars movie, it was like seven million, something wow. like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was back the highest grossing. Cared. Right. It was the highest grossing movie of nineteen ninety nine, and for a while, it was the second highest grossing movie of all time, behind only Titanic. Uh, currently on Box Office Mojo, is listed as the sixteenth highest grossing film of all time, with cumulative gross of about four hundred seventy five million. Uh, so, yeah, those of us who were alive around this time are going to remember kind of the rather frenzied environment around oh, yeah. this movie. It's like it wasn't just that you had to see it. You had to see it like four or five times. Yeah. It felt like people were kind of in a rush to like see it as many times as possible before they really let themselves admit how bad it is. I, yeah. I love that just like premise of you go to a movie and you're like. You know, I think that was really bad, but I have to see it again in order to maintain a certain level of nerd credibility. Yeah. And I have known nerds like this yeah. who are like, you know, it was not a great Marvel movie. I'll probably see it two more times. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Just, it's okay that you Marvel made a thing you don't like. It's fine. It's, yeah. It doesn't negate your fandom. Yeah. They did that on The Simpsons, too. Like, they when they parodied uh, uh, Phantom Menace yeah. when it came out, he's like, this is the worst Star Wars ever. I'm only going to see it two more times today. Yep. Like... Yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was people were just kind of rushing, but 
let, let's make no mistake here, and I'm going to alienate myself, and I'm going to put my foot down. I am not going to accept any kind of revisionist millennial bullshit no. about this series. Which there has been some. There has been some. You know, there are some... Unacceptable. Th- yeah. There are people, like, who are in their early 20s now who grew up with this as their only Star Wars, or this is their generation Star Wars. So I get the nostalgia. I get that. I'm but so these sorry. movies are I'm objectively so bad. Children, oh, I'm so gosh. sorry. These See, are terribly written. They're clunky, soulless poorly acted weirdly racist very very weirdly racist yeah. and and i i also want to i just want to say i don't have i'm not like a huge star wars fan no. like i don't have a huge attachment to the original trilogy like i find them all pretty entertaining sure but like so it's not like I, I'm personally offended by this movie or something. Oh, yeah. I wanted to root for this movie because I had to watch it. Yeah. Um, and man, it is bad. Like, yeah. it's to me, the biggest problem with it, aside from the many, many other problems that you just named, is it is so poorly and bizarrely paced. Yeah. Yes. Like, it kind of starts in the middle, um, kind of like the original Star Wars did, of these guys getting on the ship. and. You, well, but, uh, hold on. The original Star well, Wars, like... Before any word is spoken, you've already been given all these visual clues about what the rebellion is, what the Empire is, the size of the the Star Destroyer, uh, the explosions. You see um, the fear in the rebel soldiers' eyes. You see Vader storming into the place. You see the one stormtrooper bumping his head. Um, (laughs) There's... There's a lot that happens that really sets the scene. In the, this movie starts with like some people in a shuttlecraft, like uh, voice. You know what is it called? Face the face hollow, timing. the yeah. hollow deck, face or the timing hollow, yeah. with a puppet. That's it's true, so and it's just not clear. You're like they've been sent to this trade ship to talk. This is it's just yeah. funny to me that this is the origins of the Star Wars universe. This huge, huge thing, and literally. It starts with people going to talk about tax reforms. Yeah, yeah and like trade embargoes. And like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not really. And, and that's the weird thing. It's like they're starting off with all this very like stiff kind of bureaucratic stuff. And the rest of the movie is pitched at very, very stupid kids. Yes. Like it seems to be this This is made for, this is like a really poorly made kids movie. So, um, Woody, you were a child at the time that this movie came out, right? I mean, I was 11. Okay. Yeah, that's so, child. Yeah. Yeah. How did you respond? I mean, you told us about the games. Like, yeah. was this something that you enjoyed? And did you watch it in the theater? I don't remember. As a child, I don't remember having, like, an opinion on movies. Yeah. Like, things just, just are. Things there. just are. Yeah. And um, we watched this with Rosie. And I remember that she said she watched it as a kid and liked it, but had no idea what was going on. And mm. I feel like that was basically the same as I my feel experience. Like that now. Well, yeah. Is you're like, Oh, that might have been fun. Like, I don't know what was happening or anything. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I guess, you know, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but kids kids are idiots. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, we've really all been are. them, and we were idiots, too. Yeah. Um, Still am. I work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. morons. <laughs> yeah. Like, and- it, was, it was a... Uh, Fairly excruciating experience, not in a bad way, but it was an excruciating experience to watch this with Dan because now I know what a man's soul looks like when he leaves his body. Like, you went so dead in the eyes for some parts of it. Like, whenever Jar Jar spoke, you're just kind of like, leave your body, Dan, leave your body. It's like a character from a whole different kind of a movie. (sighs) There's no place in Star Wars. And, yeah, I mean, just uh, the lifelessness of this whole thing. Like, it's very clear that it was made, like, in a CG studio. Yeah. And, you know, Jake Lloyd 
got a whole bunch of flack and yeah. just people this yeah. was sort of that right around Jordan. the beginning yeah. the, of internet bullying the yeah. guy that did uh, Jar Jar like he never worked again like wasn't that the thing like he was but but he, I'll just, yeah not really not really I'll just much. say like Jake Lloyd is no worse than anyone no. in this movie I think no. he is actually a more engaging screen presence than Natalie Portman like right. Academy Award winner Natalie Portman she is the most flat acting monotone. in this movie that I I can't believe it it's like, it's you know it's very clear that this was early days of this prevalent level of CGI because no one really knows how to act on a green screen no one's really like you know they said Liam Neeson famously like agreed to be in this movie before he ever read a script because obviously it's Star yeah, Wars you know it's going to be you would want to be the lead in a Star Wars movie yeah. fuck yes but uh and nobody knew what they were getting into really like yeah, some people didn't see the script until, like, they started shooting. And then when you're uh, acting against, like, this green screen with, like, foam swords and, like, okay, yeah. this tennis ball is a monster. Pretend it's really big and scary. Like, <laughs> that's that's an extra level of taxation you're putting on the actors. The the famous thing that Harrison Ford said during the shooting of the first movie was, uh, George, you can write this shit, but you really can't say it. And so take that. The writing's gotten worse over the last 20 years because uh, everybody indulges Lucas on everything. Well, and because Lucas is so rich, he never has to interact with real people anymore. No. Uh, so he doesn't know how people talk. He genuinely believes that kids say yippee all the time. Yeah. yeah. Can, Not just one. Say multiple children. At least four times in this Multiple movie. different children in this film say yippee. Yeah. I have, I, feel never, like I have never heard a kid say yippee. I've in never my whole exclaimed life. it. No, I certainly never said it. Like. I mean, I think he just had an old copy of Boy's Life from the 40s from when he was growing up, not his desk. He's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. I also do not <laughs> believe... Good George Lucas. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I, uh, I told people that I uh, I uh, did this for 16 years, but I'm pretty sure I just crapped out the script over a weekend while I was on Well, there's behind-the-scenes stuff where he's, like, they're ready to shoot and he hasn't finished the script. Yeah. <laughs> of course he doesn't just, finish he, the script. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's his own money he was wasting. So oh, whatever. yeah. Well, and it's not like he wasted it because no, this he, movie made, he made more times back. Mad bank, and then they sold, and he sold it, and yeah. so. I, I, he did kind of try and go back and retroactively say, like, yeah, I think the hype was just too big. Like, no one could. Uh, it was never going to live up to the expectations. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, which, no, which it was is bad. True. No, yeah, it no, is it's never going to live up. To it's that, also but. his fucking fault. That yeah, he's like he like so. I mean, George Lucas has this place in movie marketing history mm-hmm. as well where he had uh, I mean it was what did he say seven million dollars the original yeah the original was. yeah but he had negotiated that he could do uh, that he retained merchandising rights and so he became a jillionaire because he was making a movie about uh, mm. You know, fun the, where everything that he was ma- using company money to de- to develop these characters and that are very toyetic, yeah. And then just immediately just turn it into plastic and sell it to children and lunchboxes and so on. And you can yeah. see that too with like the push for like Jar Jar Binks as a oh, thing yeah. is like because he's he's in this movie a lot more than I remembered. Oh, yeah. And God, just, they double down on Jar Jar. Yeah, and it's I mean, every he's very he's a very annoying character, the and worst. there's just. So many scenes. We put on the subtitles because it, um, it was hard to hear over Dan's constant groaning. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Um, and even even when they say what he says, oh yeah, it's just nonsense. It's there's it, no consistency in the Gungan language. It's all just kind of, of like or any of the. It's just all baby talk. Yeah, like it's uh, miso no takesy backsies or doobie doobie yeah. like. 
It, it just no. It's, it's as ba- as bad as you think it is. It's worse. It's like terrible. it really is worse. And then and, the viceroys, the like the two alien viceroys under the control of the emperor, right yeah. at the beginning, who just have the worst sort of Asian. And you like Asian stereotype voice, and it's like, why did you make that voice for your character? It was well, and they it was compounded by the fact that their lip syncs don't Ter- match. It's, it's terrible makeup. I, it might have been the actual. Maybe they were lip syncing their own uh, dialogue, but like. It didn't look anything like their, their lips didn't move much at all. It ju- it looked like a bad puppet, but you could tell it's a person behind. Yeah, you know, four inches of makeup. Well, I I looked into what happened with this because I'm like there there has to be some, like I don't think any of this stuff that comes across as really racist in this was intentional. No. I think it was just kind of thoughtless. With the case of the Trade Federation guys, they settled on a Thai accent because, uh, I don't know, George Lucas heard it and he thought it was an interesting accent mm-hmm. and thought he'd go with that. And originally, when they were like doing the, the – when they were shooting, they were planning on using an alien language with subtitles. Mm. And then they decided the last minute they didn't want to make people read. And so they swapped it out. It's just like established. Yeah. Already in the Star Wars universe. It's so cool when Jabba speaks in his language and then Han replies in in English. Like, that's fun. That yeah. makes you feel like this is a rich world. And like, I honestly universe. just feel like this was just a boneheaded mistake. Like, yeah. I don't think they thought about it as like, oh, this might this makes it look like an old Godzilla movie. Like we're making fun of Asian yeah. people. Like, I don't think they even thought of that. And I don't think anybody caught it until it was I, too I late. I wonder if there were people on set who thought of it but didn't say because he's George Lucas. Yeah. And he's it's his money and his show. And I think that was kind of the case with a lot of it. Um, we'll, we'll probably move on a little bit here in a second because we don't want to talk about the movie the entire time. But, yeah, it, it was... Well, we haven't talked really about how the plot doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any like, goddamn what sense. What was Palpatine trying to accomplish and why did any Evil. decision he make push that push push that forward yeah none of it it makes seems sense. maddeningly uh convoluted like all right we're it's gonna simultaneously convoluted and doesn't go anywhere yeah because they there's sort of the first scene in the starship and then they go to naboo and then they leave and then they decide to go back to naboo and then the movie ends and you're like well <laughs> wait yes. you could have just stayed at naboo and that's true the only thing they really needed to do was get Palpatine to be in, like, a position of, like, supreme power yeah. by the end of the movie. Right. Well, and, and like, introduce Anakin. And introduce Anakin and, like, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of get that storyline going. Uh, yeah, but it's real bad. Like, uh, again, l- I don't think any of this should reflect on the actors of the cast. Like, that makes me really sad that, like, yeah. Jake Lloyd and Ahmed Best have both had it so hard. Yeah. Like, it's really not their fault. Um, it's George Lucas's fault, and he does deserve all yeah. the hate that he's given. Like, I mean, Jake Jake Lloyd in particular, well, he's retired from acting for, like, at least 15 years now. And he's been in and out of, like, long-term care facilities. He's yeah. been diagnosed schizophrenic, and, like, he, he's got some issues. And a lot of the early problems and, like, the bullying and why he had to leave school was because of this movie. Yeah. And, he like, was the original Star Wars kid. He was, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. True. And that inspired the original Star Wars kid. But, yeah, we'll move on from uh, Star Wars Episode One. Hopefully I'll never have to look at it again. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not worth saving. And, you know, like, 
Yeah. Okay. I'll to- I'll toss out the pod racing scene. That's great. Pod racing yeah. scene looks fun. That yeah. seems but to be the only scene. It goes on very long. It's it a ten minute scene. Is yeah. not internally consistent. It doesn't make any sense. Anakin is like what several minutes behind everybody getting started. Why? Who knows? Yeah. And then he catches up immediately. Like it just nothing matters. Uh, people are dying left and right, and everybody's clapping. Like what we're presented with in terms of like outer rim culture is pretty brutal. But it's all given this like chummy, fun, wacky, yeah, wacky uh, air to it, which is so weird. But I mean, but I will say, fun. it it's seems fun. like this is this is one of the few scenes where like you could tell where George Lucas's interest was. It was in this scene, <laughs> and it was in double lightsabers. Like, uh, uh, and these were the scenes that he wanted to do. And obviously, it's based on the Ben Hur chariot scene from 1959, mm-hmm. and like. And based There's, on George Lucas's love of cars. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Famously, George Lucas uh, uh, wrapped his car around a tree uh, during a drag race when he was like uh, sixteen or oh. seventeen, and uh, almost died. Like wow. totally crushed his car, and that's what made him want to quit like drag racing and go into movie making. So, wow. but uh, yeah, but it, it's a it's a fairly well staged scene, and it's it's fast and it's it's interesting. But there's really very little else to save so, in this. Yeah. So as such, the pod racing scene did lead to. A pretty decent racing game for mm-hmm. the N64. And for this game that we played today, they took the far less interesting scene of the battle at the end mm-hmm. and sort of used that as the jumping off point for this game. Oh, yeah. yes. Let's so, talk yeah, about this let's game. Let's talk about this game. Star Wars Episode One: Battle for Naboo was released December 18th, 2000. Happy birthday, little Steve. That was my 17th birthday. Wow. Developed by Factor Happy 5. Happy birthday. Here's Battle for Naboo. Oh, yay. <laughs> uh, developed by Factor 5 and published by LucasArts. And this was also ported to windows in 2001 uh so i did have a bunch of stuff on factor five but i decided to save that for the rogue squadron episode because that's their more mm-hmm. important game uh and we have plenty to dig into here but um the important thing to note is that this is the spiritual successor but not the sequel to rogue squadron which is a uh, uh lucas arts and factor five game that uh, is on the played, n64 we, we have, have not, not played yet played <clears throat> I have um, I have played it in my life. I have yeah, too. It is too. a superior game to this one. It is. It's from what I remember. So and it good. is the I think it's the best selling Star Wars game on the system. Maybe Shadows of the Empire okay. is, but it, well, yeah, I mean, there's only like three, right? There's so. four total. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what was the fourth one? This one. Wait. There's Shadows there's, of the Empire. Yeah. Racer. Oh, Racer. Oh, Racer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't say Racer. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, uh, and this was the final game in a four-game deal that LucasArts had for exclusive N64 content. So the developers knew they wanted a car combat game, but they were having trouble kind of adapting the film's plot into a cohesive vehicle for a game. And I really liked <laughs> yeah, this... what a surprise! I really liked this secretly shady line I found on the Wikipedia. So, I'm sorry, they wanted a car combat... Was this just because it was, like, the era of Twisted Metal and Carmageddon? Kind of, yeah. They, they okay. wanted to expand on their aerial combat well, stuff. Yeah, because they, yeah. they probably had, the in, they had like, the Rogue Squadron engine, and they're like, well, we don't want to just repeat ourselves. Yeah. So instead of flying, we'll just make it so you stay on the ground. Well, the, the, the secretly shady line that I found from the wiki was that uh, it says, After it was released in May 1999, the team watched the movie several times in an attempt to find interesting characters, situations, and craft for the game. <laughs> it in says eventually, attempt, failed attempt. eventually they decided to just tell a unique story that took place <laughs> during the events of the game. I love that. It was like secretly so like, like well, you, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you've gotten to the point where you mentioned our hero's name. Not yet. No, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. But like, okay. but they actually didn't recycle any of the engine and code from Rogue Squadron. And maybe that's the problem. Yeah. They did build a new game on this because they wanted it to be distinct. 
And the big it difference in the stuff. graphical engine was that you this have game looks like shit. Well, you have a much longer, larger draw distance than That's you did true. in Rogue Squadron, and much less uh, aerial fog. But yes, the, the distance, textures are terrible. Draw distance would be great if you could distinguish your friends from your enemies. Yeah, yeah. Is, in like, real that's life, a famous, that's a famous Conan quote, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. To drive them before you, to distinguish one from another, and to get a very long draw distance. <laughs> oh, very long. To extend your draw distance. To hear the lamentations of people trying <laughs> to figure out what these textures are. <laughs> Um, so the the plot of this game, I'm going to uh, read the opening title crawl because, of course, it's Star Wars. We have an opening title crawl. Turmoil largely lifted from the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. Taxation of trade routes is in dispute, and the greedy Whoa. Trade Federation has resorted to violence to resolve the matter. What Exciting. did you just do? It's for kids. Okay. <laughs> Acting on orders from a mysterious Sith Lord, the Trade Federation has sent an invasion force to the small world of Naboo. The Trade Federation's leaders hope to capture the peaceful planet and steal its resources before the Republic can respond to the crisis. As the Trade Federation marches on Theed, Lieutenant Gavin Sykes and the volunteer members of the Royal Security Forces are Naboo's only hope. So yes, you are playing as a generic soldier named Gavin Sykes, G-A-V-Y-N-S-Y-K-E-S. Which is basically just a normal name. Right. It's not a Star Wars name. That's just a name name. Like, I could see this guy, like, hosting a New Year's parade. Like, I'm Gavin Sykes, and here comes Underdog. You know? It's not a very exciting name, even with all the Ys put in there for for extra effect. But yeah, that's basically the plot. You're playing as Gavin Sykes. Uh, You are serving under a Captain Kale. And the game opens with the Trade Federation's invasion of the capital city of Theed. Uh, just after Princess Amidala fucks off to go to Coruscant and do whatever she does in the movie. In the movie, do we learn that the city is called Theed? I don't know if they. they, I don't remember if they expressly say it. Maybe there's like a a little Chiron on there that Mm. says it when they show the establishing shot. Um, But yeah, so basically, it's about Sykes and a couple of uh, other soldiers traveling around Naboo, trying to save people, trying to recruit them for their resistance army, and then waging the big battle on uh, Theed at the very end. Uh, Most of this happens through very hard-to-hear audio samples of uh, characters. Yeah, no subtitles. Characters are talking through, like, their radios, so you have that kind of low-res, like, fuzzy voice. Sometimes as, like, other sound effects are going, like like blaster shots. Uh, So it's it's hard to make that. Yeah, let's talk about the presentation of this game a little bit. I feel like the thing that LucasArts does... Like, LucasArts made games for a long time, and the things they were pretty consistent about was having very good presentation in their game. Hmm. Like, even their early adventure games, like, looked and sounded great. Mm -hmm. Um, And their Star Wars games, they always sounded very crisp and, like, looked pretty cutting edge because, you know... George Lucas is interested in the technology. Yeah. He wants and he's his got game money to studio burn. to be interested in the technology. Yeah. And this game does not live up to those standards. No. Like I I don't know if I've played a game yet on this podcast. Well, we've played a couple. Mm. It's been a while since we've played a game where the graphics have had such an effect on our enjoyment of the game. Yeah. Like I think Doom 64 was one because it was so dark. It right. was really hard to see. And Beast Wars with just the I guess that was more the camera. Are you referring yeah. to Beast Wars, Transformers, Transmetals? Uh, yes. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I think if we rant, 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 rant those words around a little bit, it'll be right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And this game, it just, everything looks so, so blurry. And the yeah. horrible, like, 
the first level, you're on this speeder, and you're in sort of this brown city. It kind of looks like... Uh, Brownsville. Brown, yeah, Brownsville, USA. <laughs> um, well, it looks like when you're in Tatooine, like everything looks like sandstone. It looks kinda. like when you're on the desert planet, but... No, it's on and then you're candy trying to, color Naboo. And you're it looks like a weekend in Taos, New Mexico. You're trying yeah. to chase after all these droids that are on little brown speeders, and they're brown droids. Yeah. And, and if you remember the look tanks. of, if you remember the look of these droids in the movie, they're these very skinny-looking little duck yeah. things. So they're hard to make out, like because they're very narrow. And then targets. they're like, you need to protect the, you need to guide your other fellow brown speeders through this. And, like, you just see something sort of out in the distance, and you start shooting at it. And the guy's like, hold your fire! And you're like, well, how was I supposed to know There's it was no you? There's no way. And then you get the second level, you fit, you go out, and it's green. But then you're in a green speeder. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then the draw distance really opens up, and it becomes even harder to see these super tiny droids. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and it's so much of this game is composed of, like, escort missions like guide this person across the bridge and follow the captain and you know those missions already kind of suck yeah Yeah. i'm definitely Um, a fan always yeah and so to add in the component of guide this captain that you can't really see and defend him from things you can't really see yeah because every time he comes into view you're like shit and you try to shoot at him then he's like hold your fire again and you end up blowing up your own captain and then fail and have to restart the level yeah and you restart the entire level so they'll have multiple cut scenes as you go from stage to stage if you're restarting, you start at the very beginning. And the game, so, yeah, the game has a weird format of when you yeah. die, you respawn right where you were. With You have like three lives. But if you fail, right. you have to restart the whole mission. Yeah. And in the sa- yeah, the sound does not help either because they sort of instruct you on what you're doing. But occasionally we got played a level where you sort of meet this starship. And the captain there is trying to tell you what to do, but he's <laughs> super garbled. He's like... My ship is down. And you're like, um, that's what it's oh, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you're just really confused. And then the ship explodes. And you're like, oh, you failed the mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I kept like just pausing the game to look at my mission parameters because it's like, all right, yeah. what am I supposed to be doing? And, like one level, it's like protect the main farmhouse. It's like. Okay, which one is the fucking main farmhouse? They all look the same. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't see any kind of sign. Yeah, and, like, just the design here, nothing feels the least bit Star Wars. Like... No. Not that Phantom Menace had, like, a bunch of super memorable locations or anything, but, like... No. Naboo, they sort of pan out over it at the beginning, and there's sort of, like these bright emerald valleys and like the city is a lot of diverse architecture and stuff in this game the city is just super drab and then it's the same color yeah and then you go out to this just farmland that's just green and then there's a hill and it's green yeah and it and again like very impressive draw distance you can see for a long time but the problem is the game is taking place much closer than that yes and and who cares to to be able to see out of like Green for yeah. a long time. Yeah, that you, would be. Like, that's the draw distance is great in a game like Skyrim, where they put a lot of energy into making uh, a landscape that yeah. is uh, interesting to look at. Interesting when it's all just the same green hills, uh, one after another. There's nothing there. It, it blends together a lot. And uh, well, let, let's talk a little bit about kind of what sort of. So it's this is kind of like. I mean, I drew I drew the comparison to Twisted Metal, but that's not exactly no. right either. This is more mission-based. Yeah, it, it is like Rogue Squadron. It's just Kinda. mostly you're 
on the ground. Right. So and and better. so like it's it's got that element to it. Yeah, um yeah, right. yeah. yeah, definitely much easier. Um uh it's uh there there are 15 levels total that you can play through here. So theoretically you could beat this game pretty quickly if it wasn't impossible. <laughs> if it wasn't super um, hard. Uh so it's 15 different you places all across Nebu. I I will that will never happen. <laughs> uh each level is a series the 10 million dollar tier is Steve gets good. <laughs> Steve get good. I have nothing but time and money now to get yeah. good. Um, yeah, so you, uh, most of the missions that you have to complete here just revolve around shoot all the bad guys and follow your captain, uh, which gets pretty tedious, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, but did. there we, are some bonus... We, we played three different missions, and two of them were escort yeah. yeah. And they're all just... And the enemies are all the same. It's just yes. some dudes on droids and then the little tanks. Tanks, yeah. Um, yeah, you get uh, gold... Or you get medals based on your performance, based on how many targets you hit and how many missions you complete, survivors you save, etc. So you can get anywhere from a bronze to a platinum medal. They spell out how to win all the gold medals, but they don't actually tell you how to win any platinums. You just have to dick around until you figure it out. Um, but these can help you uh, rank up, and it'll help you unlock some uh, other secret things. So your starting vehicle kind of depends on the context, and it alternates between land, sea, and air. So you're locked into your starting vehicle to begin with, but you can go back and replay each level with different vehicles uh, to find little different secrets and everything like that. Um, the vehicles that you get here, we get the flying vehicles, like the N1 Naboo Starfighter, which is that yellow pointy one from the movie and the cover of the game. Uh, the Naboo bomber and the police cruiser, which couldn't they have come up with a? a no, it's, just, it's a police cruiser. It looks just like the blue version of the pointy yellow yes. one, and they couldn't call it anything like I, the, I don't know something that just seems so boring to me. The, what was the speeder? It was the they call flash it the, speeder. The, the, the Nab blue. It yeah, was fat, fast. <laughs> so they called it the flash speeder. Cloud. Yeah, there's a flash speeder and there's a Gion speeder, and I don't Gion. know what that one looks like, but it's G I A N. And then there are water vehicles like the Trade Federation gunboat. Oh, and you also get the the Stap, uh, which is the lead singer Creed. I like I you. You said that in a way yeah. like we were going to be excited about it. You're like, oh, and you get the Stap. We get to like, ride the guy who sings our arms wide open. <laughs> And, and we're and, like, oh, yeah, yeah the Stab, we love that. That's our favorite vehicle from episode one. Everyone's right. favorite. The single trooper aerial platform. Yeah, stay, stay tuned for our next bonus episode where we rate our favorite vehicles from episode one. Definitely no, going with this no, one because it's like the as, moped of Star Wars. As we were playing the game, I had misread the title of that, that fighter. Mm. And Steve knew already what a stap was and said, no, Dan, that was a stap. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it stands for. But I know that it is a stap. Yeah, so, so stap it. Stap it straight. with your mispronunciation. You know, there's a real <laughs> feeling, like, when I think about um, Rogue Squadron, there's just, like, such emphasis placed on the production values and sort of replicating these exciting scenes from the movie yeah. that it was, like, clear that the people who were making it were excited about it. And this, it's, like, the opposite. It's yeah. super clear that they don't give a shit about yeah. anything, any of this content. And they're just like, ah... You got a ship. You got some droids. Well, just shoot them. What? What? Do, what the fuck do you want from us, man? Yeah, yeah. It, it's very tossed off in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, you do get to. I like that how much unlockable content there is in this game, so even I, if I don't necessarily want to see it all. But, I, I have like, some questions about yeah. that. So, yeah. other than the ships, like as we were playing, and we only played a few levels because it actually was kind of difficult to pass yeah, the levels. Yeah. Uh, you're not. There's no pickups. There's no, no. way to. Uh, heal your ship. There's no different. Like you get missiles, but you can't change them to different missiles or bombs no. or yeah. whatever. Uh, it just like these sort of elements that are common in this kind of game um, are completely absent, and these are the things that give a little flavor and replayability. 
uh, and strategy. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, it's definitely like the structure to beat the level is like memorize where the different mission points are mm-hmm. so that when you see this yes. cutscene, you know where to go because mostly that's why you die is yeah. you don't know what you're supposed to do or where the escort ship is. And then it cuts to the escort ship being destroyed. And you're like, well, great. I guess yeah. I'll restart and find it next time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's just not terribly exciting. But I mean... It would be more fun with some of the unlockable vehicles. If you get a gold or platinum on every level, you could unlock a Swamp Speeder, a Sith Infiltrator, or an AAT, so which is that So this is a game tank. that you beat at a very high level in order to make it fun. Exactly. Like, a flawless design. Once you've mastered the game, enjoy this extra fun content. And I forgot well, to... and I mean, you're just... it's. It couldn't possibly be that much more fun. <laughs> no, it couldn't possibly ship. be. Well, I don't know. If you, you can use a password and you can unlock either a classic TIE fighter or a 1969 Buick Electra. Oh, for That's shit's sake, George. The sound developer. Uh, the sound developer. Yeah, this game knows his car, his car oh, okay. so he put it in the game. <laughs> Um, and there's also a bunch of bonus sketches, concept art, and uh, audio commentary. This is actually the first uh, video game to have audio commentary that you can unlock, kind of like DVD commentary. So you can listen to exactly how little work they put into all these levels, uh, um, which is probably you, not fair. Sorry, when you were saying that as we were playing, I guess I didn't realize. So it's like on a DVD mm-hmm. when you when you play the audio commentary as as you really want to rewatch the game do you play the game as they're talking about it? right you're playing it and they're kind of like yeah they're playing the audio track over that which is like wow. still a feature that you see in games i don't really? i've it's never somewhat common in re-releases yeah. like oh. um, monkey island the monkey island special editions had it of, oh yeah like, you would go back and do it and it's also kind of common there's a weird game oh, i think it's called like the director's cut or something like that that, no, the Beginner's Guide is the name of this game. Oh. And basically the whole game is just, it's like commentary the game. It's like you walk <laughs> around and the guy talks to you about game design. Weird. <laughs> I'd be more into that than yeah, this. I would I play that. Like, I don't know how exciting the commentary is. <laughs> By the same guy who be. made the Stanley Parable, so he's a good writer. Yeah. Oh, I like Stanley Parable. Stanley Parable no, but I have watched many YouTube videos. Well, that's, a, that's the same experience. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not really a whole lot else to say about Battle for Naboo. Like, uh, this is well, just no, kind of it. Like, there are no it's, other modes. It's, th- a, it's there's a, no it, there's no multiplayer. This, this game could be a good uh, like deathmatch style yeah. multiplayer. Would be at least as good as Star Fox. And you yeah. know, or Vigilante Eight. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just not fun. But no. it, it's maybe the most true to the movie in terms of your level of enjoyment. I mean the. Overall, I think this wasn't like offensively bad to me. That's this true. it's it's just kind of bland. Like it, the the basic gameplay works. Like you know, you point and shoot, you fly around. It controls fine. Like it takes a little bit of adjustment, but it's not too bad. It would be nice to have like a stray feature feature in some of the weapon uh, yeah. vehicles. But I guess those vehicles don't really control like that anyway. Well, but why have all these different vehicles if they don't control differently? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, the the two the couple of different vehicles we tried, even the planes versus the land vehicles, feel pretty similar. Um, so it's just yeah, I it just really could have done with an extra layer of like something, some kind of extra layer of energy, some polish and some yeah, some like energy, yeah, care yeah. on the part of the developers for the product. Yeah, I think lazy. lazy it, it, yeah, game. I think that's about it. I don't know. Are you guys ready to move on to rankings for this one? Yeah, sure. so let's been move a, been on. A lot of 
Phantom Menace talk. Yeah, that's okay, though. That's okay. Uh, so we are uh, adding this list to our on- or this game to our ongoing list of uh, games that we have played so far. We are up to 184. This is our 185th game. Uh, what do you want to start us off? Where are we going with this? Sure. Um, I'm putting this at number 134. Okay. Um, which is right above Paperboy. Ooh. It's, um, yeah, I liked it a little more than Paperboy. This is a nice Ouch. little, this is a nice little sweet section of terrible-looking games on the N64. <laughs> oh man! There was something about the graphics of this game, like Paperboy. You look at and you're like, "This is so awful to look at." In this game, you don't immediately think that. No. Because you're like, oh, this should be fine. But as you play it more and you realize you can't see anything, it makes you feel like your vision is going bad or your yeah. TV is breaking. At least in Paperboy, you know it's the game's fault. In this, like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem right. And, you know, the graphics in Paperboy did not ruin the experience as much as the graphics in Battle for Naboo. No. So. And, and, like, it's not... I don't think it's just the hardware, you know, because no, Rogue Squadron not. looks pretty good. Shadows like, of the Empire looks way better yeah. than it looks this. Looks way better. So does, uh, yeah. So and we had issues with it, but Racer looks better than this oh, too. Oh yeah, like, like Racer the, chugs a little bit, and, and the multiplayer look, kind of looks like ass. But yeah. like the single player, that looked way better than this. Yeah. Um, Dan, how about yourself? You have a decent number of games on here. Most of your system so far has been based around uh, the size of the apes in the yeah, game. This is turns uh, out that's a kind of a terrible system because it's <laughs> apparently. Like, Most uh, games don't have apparently apes. Apparently there's not that many it apes. It's Rampage and Rampage 2. <laughs> yeah. No, just Rampage Miles is the top of your list. Yeah, Rampage 2 is currently the top of your oh, list, man. and All-Star Baseball 99 is the bottom of your list. Yeah. So, I, how many items? Is it like 14 games or something? There was a lot. Oh, you had one, had two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You have nine games. Nine this is your games. Yeah. Thrilling podcast. Yeah. Content yeah. Right Sorry. We did, ah, we ah, did ah. look at this stuff before. I just didn't pay We should have saved the counting stuff for the Sesame Street episode. Um, Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the I, I, I'm I'm putting it at the bottom. So Oof. it's I, I I thought a bit about is it fair to the game? Am I am I just bringing in my bias from the Phantom Menace? And I think the answer is no. Mm. But uh, like I think that if I were playing um, one of the other games based on this, uh, I, I I might not rate them as poorly. This was a bad game. But I yeah I also think the answer is no because this game really doesn't carry over much from the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Like no, there's no aside from your association of having watched it a couple days ago yeah, for this game. That's true. Like, I didn't you feel would, menaced at all. No, or no. Phantom. No, <laughs> you would barely like it. Barely. There for wasn't as a shitty lot of, as that movie is. There wasn't is, a lot of menace in the Phantom Menace for, movie. Is, either. I wanted to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been happy to see like. Jar Jar Binks running around, like yeah. just because it's like, oh yeah, this is based on a movie. Like you put Jar Jar Binks in there and let me shoot him, and I would rate this more. Oh highly. yeah, that is it one is thing they do. The opening right opening the title crawl, yeah. you get Jar Jar running across the screen and he gets crushed by the N sixty four logo. Weird thread that runs through a lot of N sixty four games is the weird way that the characters interact with the logo. Mm-hmm. Like so many, like in Conquer's Bad Fur Day, he like chops it up with a chainsaw. And there's just a whole bunch of weird ones. Of, oh, Quake like, was hilarious, like because it's got all the thirty different monsters standing on it, like shooting each other. Like our Quake Two, I think did yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. And uh, Iguana, like Torak, yeah, just blast the logo. I don't know. It's a weird. That would be like a fun YouTube montage. Is like all these N64 logos. Yeah, start with Rubber Face Mario and 64, yeah. and just kind of go through it. Um, yeah. So bottom of your list, Dan. We covered oh, the I just yeah, I did yeah. just want to say uh, I have I spent a lot of time uh, playing on the SNES uh, or on, on emulation the the Ken Griffey baseball. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I 
I, I have a lot of tolerance for uh, um, a crappy console baseball game, so the fact that those are at the bottom of my list, I, I really want to signal like they're they're quite a bit more <laughs> replayable than than what we played today. But the real question, well, here, I'll move on to my rankings first. Um, so this one for me, I am putting this at number 118. Oh, so that's going to be chance. below Castlevania and just above 40 Winks. Um, like I said, I don't think this is offensively bad. I think it's just kind of lazy. I think it's just, I don't think, it doesn't feel like anyone's heart was in this game. No. The thing about um, this game is there would be no reason to play it ever. Like you Not know what really. I you know what I mean? Because like, here's the thing: they they followed up Rogue Squadron with two really excellent sequels in the GameCube. Like, if so if you, you want yeah. more of this, keep going with it. Yeah, exactly. If you've played through almost all the good Star Wars games, just play through them again, right? Instead of playing this, kinda. So. Yeah, there are yeah. a few of those start. Like, I still don't think there are really too many Star Wars games that are like out and out, just garbage, no. terrible. Uh, but this is one of those Star Wars Rebellion on the on the PC. Oh, I don't know that one. It is a strategy game. It is uh, in it, it. It's all. It's you're clicking. You can get uh, repetitive stress injury. But oh, it's just it, like kind of menu management. It's just oh. all all clicking. I I saw my friend playing that for a lot. I, I have I was played like, it a lot. I <laughs> yeah, see, but it I'm is not, not saying good. I haven't played I'm it. Not a lot. Saying I haven't played yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So uh, this this just kind of falls more in the in the creamy middle, uh, but the kind of the oh, lower the end, creamy middle, the, like, the lower the soured end of like the, the nougaty middle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like the the little chunks of heath or something like yeah. that. Get oh, stuck well, those in your things teeth. are delicious. Now they get stuck in your teeth. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's my big get problem. With no, it's no, it's like the three musketeers stuff, which is creamy, but like. Three Musketeers insides are kind of gross. Yeah, what is that? It, it just kind of irritates your teeth. You know, here's the fact about Three Musketeers. Hmm. It originally started as a candy bar with three different flavors. Like, they had chocolate bits and vanilla bits and a strawberry bit. And then, um, during the rations during the war, they had to take out the <laughs> vanilla and strawberry bit. Um, and they only left in the chocolate bit. And that's why it's called Three three Musketeers. Those were the original Three Musketeers. That actually, I never really thought to question that. Yeah. Why it's a three-something when it's just a one one singular flavor in there. Uh, Why are Butterfingers called Butterfinger? Because you drop them a lot. I have never dropped a Butterfinger. (laughs) Well, you haven't lived, my friend. I I grip it so tight because it's so precious to me that I get brown streaks on my hand. (laughs) I don't want to know about that. Gross. Um, (laughs) What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. See? We were talking about Star Wars. I'm sure we were talking about candy. Speaking of Star Wars candy, do you remember that Jar Jar Binks lollipop that came out? No. Okay, it's basically, uh, it's in a little uh, novelty dispenser. You flip a little lever and his mouth opens and the lollipop is his tongue. Oh, God. So basically it looks like you're deep tongue kissing Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> like, so they immediately recalled that. Uh, but yeah, that was out there for a while. Yeah. So Oh, man. We're looking at a picture. This is pretty gruesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely encourage our uh, any any listeners to just, just Google Jar Jar Lollipop. I'll I'll put that up on uh, on yeah. Twitter, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we, keep, keep we, an eye on yourself, that. You should Photoshop yourself. yourself a picture of you lick, <laughs> licking his tongue, making out with the Jar Jar Lollipop. <laughs> All right, I'll need somebody to model uh, the, the tongue, and then I'll, like, swap it in Perfect. later. I'll put you, you in the green screen suit. We all should do a, a design contest for the Facebook group. Like, oh. whoever can do the grossest thing with a Jar Jar lollipop. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid to put that out there, but I'm gonna. Whoever can do now. the it's grossest the thing yeah. with a Jar Jar lollipop, in, uh, in, <laughs> then please go ahead and do so. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Dan, thank you so much for uh, enduring all of that in yeah, the, the name both. of podcasting. Yeah, I know. I, I, didn't, I forgot to ask Dan to be 
on the uh, Shadows of the Empire episode, which is stuff that he actually enjoyed. Yeah, it would have been a good like one, the, yeah. the Star Wars expanded universe. I love that game, too. And then we're like, uh, you could be on the Phantom Menace one. <laughs> well, we're, remind us, maybe we'll bring you back for Rogue Squadron and make okay. it up to you a little bit. Um, but next week, we are not playing Rogue Squadron. We are uh, going back for potentially what might be our shortest episode ever. Because we're playing just one game in a subject we've covered before. Do you know what it is? It's Mario Golf. Mario Golf. The one golf game we haven't played yet. And it's kind of a biggie. It's kind of a, a big popular game. And guess what? I've never played it. Okay. Never played the original Mario Golf. I doubt it will be shorter than the Extreme G episode. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the 18-minute Christmas yeah. episode. Yes, yes. We've uh, learned to blather on so much since then. But anyway, tune in next week for Mario Golf. By the way, we are on Patreon now, Ultra 64 uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash ultra64pod. You can find us on there. We Should also we announce our uh, ep- next episode for the bonus 64? Oh, yeah, that's... yeah. That's coming out. Uh, the the bonus episode uh, is coming out next week, actually. Uh, next oh. Wednesday uh, well, that's from when you're listening to, be to this. For. Definitely. And uh, something else to be thankful for is that we're talking about the game Eternal Darkness, which some of you know was a canceled Nintendo 64 game that found a home on another platform. So we played it and we gave it the business. Uh, so you can listen to that ex- episode on our Patreon. Um, otherwise, we also have our other podcast, Just Friends, where we are reading all, through all of David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. That comes out every other Tuesday, so be sure to download that and check it out if you like the books and the talking about the books. My brother strongly recommends Just Friends. I have not listened to it, but very much enjoys how much you hate the book. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going in waves. Yeah. I think, well, I think Woody might be fully on the hate side okay. by now, but like, we're, we're, I, every other week I'm alternating on that book. Um, so tune in for that, and uh, thank you so much, everybody. And uh, this is not pod racing. No. Not anymore. And it Actually, wasn't no, when he said that was. line. He was being facetious, guys. Come on. <sighs> I'm going to end on that side. <laughs> long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jinn could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that gas The met Jar Jar and Boss Ness We took a bongo from the scene And we went to feed to see the queen We all wound up on Tatooine That's where we found this boy Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy Just a small fry And he left his home And kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Did you know this junkyard slave Isn't even old enough to shave But he can use the force they say